Blog Talk Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Beamer Distributors Blog Talk Show. This is your show. It's designed for all Beamer distributors across the country to provide you with the latest information, training, and current events. It's a live, interactive show where we value your participation. Just hit one on your phone and we'll open your lines so you can ask questions and share information and testimonials. You'll hear from individuals who are experiencing amazing results in their business and with the use of their Beamer. But remember, this information of Beamer technology is not designed to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or ailment. These testimonials have not been evaluated or reviewed by the FDA. This call is for education only and no medical or income claims are intended. This call is not put on by Beamer USA. It's just us, a group of independent Beamer distributors all helping one another. So grab a pen and paper, listen carefully, and get ready to learn and share. Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Good morning, Blog Talk Radio. This is your co-host of Beamer's Whatever Wednesday, Ian Robb, and I'm here with the lovely Lisa Diamond. We're talking March Madness coaching and our coach is Ray Higdon today. So I'm going to let Lisa introduce everybody and let have them know about Ray. Here you go, Lisa. Thank you, Ian. Always a pleasure. So as everyone knows, we've been talking about uh, personal growth and business coaching uh, this month on whatever Wednesday. Uh, we heard from a distributor at the beginning of the month on the benefits that she has seen. Actually, one of her... Um, coaching programs that she did was called Rank Makers, and we have that coach with us today. I'll get into a little bit more about that. And then um, last week we had Shelly Wizen on, and uh, so I'm going to just introduce um, Ray Higdon. Uh, he is not only a, a friend, um, he is also a Beamer user. Uh, but before Ray got into uh, coaching and specifically in the network marketing direct sales industry, he was actually in the industry himself and a number one um, income earner in uh, one of the companies that he was with. Um, and prior to network marketing, uh, he actually was in the corporate world and then in real estate. Um, he lost everything in the real estate crash, I think it was like in 2008, uh, and that was where he found network marketing. And so he is not just a coach, but he has, he has been in the field, so he knows what that's all about. He is a number one best-selling author. Uh, he has shared the stage with the likes of Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Robert Kiyosaki, I'm sure there are many more that I'm missing. Um, but without further ado, um, Ray, welcome to Beamer Block Talk Radio. Thank you for being here. Hey, I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So, um, you know, tell just a little bit about your background. I kind of hit on, on some of the highlights uh, sure. and and what your focus is as a uh, you know, as a coach, personal growth, business coach aspect? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, like, like you said, I, I was in real estate here in Southwest Florida. I also live in Naples, Florida. 
And yes, I am a Beamer user. Between Beamer and I also uh, quit drinking any kind of caffeine, like my energy is through the roof. So I, I really thank you guys. It's awesome. Um, but, but, you know, before all this, I, I was in real estate and, you know, I, I'll be honest, I thought I was king of the world, man. I thought I was killing it and crushing it. It was awesome. And then when the market changed, I realized that I didn't know how to adapt and I got wiped out and, you know, just to understand the level of wiped out. I mean, I, um, you know, was selling my furniture. I ended up going through foreclosure. I went through a divorce. Um, and because I'd over leveraged my home and because I had invested in, in, you know, different projects, I was actually over a million dollars in debt when I found network marketing and got serious about network marketing. And there were, you know, a, a series of, of things that, that I did, but did end up becoming the number one incomer of that company. In um, 2016, <clears throat> I had not really meant to, but I uh, had built a coaching and training business and uh, decided to focus on that. So I did retire from actively building any organization. And that's what my wife and I have been doing ever since. Um, I do a lot of keynote, uh, keynote presentations for companies. I'm my largest client right now uh, has over 750,000 in his organization. I have a client that uh, brings home a million dollars a month from her network marketing company. So I've, I've been able to work in a lot of different uh, companies and products and services and um, just really love what we do. Cause I see, you know, direct sales and network marketing as the lowest risk, lowest overhead way for the average ordinary person to start a business. And, and so I'm, I'm honored to, uh, to be a part of it. I'm honored to, you know, being a, a, an ambassador for it. Awesome. And, you know, you and I have talked about personal growth, and you and I have done some of the same personal growth uh, mm-hmm. with um, Joe Dispenza. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that we're talking about this month is the importance of personal growth and business coaching when you are an independent Beamer distributor and, you know, whether we realize it or not, we're in business for ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain tools that, you know, Beamer Corporate provides. But really to take yourself and your personal business to another level, talk about the benefits of just of coaching in general and, and what you – and I know you have a coach right now yourself, right? Yeah, I mean – you know, I was I was on a webinar last night, and I had to think about this, but the last time, and I realized this isn't, you know, hey, listen, I used to be dead broke, and so, like, I, I know this this may not be, um, you know, relatable to some, but, but the last year that I didn't invest at least $100,000 in my own development through coaching and masterminds was 2012, and you know, I think one of my, what some would perceive as crazier <laughs> investments was I hired uh, Grant Cardone. I gave him a hundred grand for six hours of his time. And most people hear wow. that and think, well, that's insane. That makes no sense. But in hour one, he gave me a different way for us to look at how we ran our events. And that one hour, and I, I, I have, I, I told him this. I've shared it on his stage. He had me speak out in Vegas. Uh, that one hour added a million dollars to our revenue that year. 
And that's just that year. His way of thinking, his, his, his you know, differing of opinion of how to do certain things with our event is something we've now adopted. And so all in all, it's, you know, it's probably made us, you know, I don't know, three million maybe. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the power of coaching. Now, when I was, you know, broke, I, I couldn't afford that kind of stuff, obviously. You know, I was doing YouTube videos and, you know, and uh, reading, rereading Think and Grow Rich and doing what I could afford. Um, but what I've found is sometimes free is the most expensive option because it doesn't fill in the gaps that you personally have. And so with a coach, you're able to, you know, get your personal questions. And, and I'll tell you, at least it's true for me, there's a lot of times where I had nine out of ten pieces to the puzzle, but I just couldn't figure out that tenth piece. And an outside voice, a coach, you know, someone could help me see it. And, and I would say nine times out of ten, it was a really simple thing. I just was overthinking it. I was just not seeing that, that final piece there. And so, you know, coaching is great if you want to get to where you want to go faster. But, you know, first you kind of got to know where is it you want to go, and a lot of people don't know that. Right, exactly. And actually uh, I shared with you um, that Beamer from a corporate level has brought on um, Tony Jiri, and he has been yeah. coaching, coaching at the corporate level and then at the um, regional director, national director level, and also at the management level. And, um, and I, know you, I know you know Tony, so you can comment on that. But one of the yeah. very first things that, we, that he talks about is clarity. Um, he has three points, clarity, focus, and execution, and, and then these high leveraging activities. And so all of that is kind of trickling down. And one of the reasons I wanted to have some other voices on this month from the coaching world um, and personal growth world is because before you can really get into that, those high-level activities, um, high-leveraging activities, uh, you kind of have to get past what's holding you back, and you have to know where you're going. So, you know, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that part of, you know, when you say you have to know where you're going or what you want before you can pinpoint yeah. down the coaching. Yeah, and, you know, it was – it was so fun hearing uh, Tony's name. I don't personally know Tony. I've never met him. I've, for whatever reason, I've never ran into him in, in any of the speaking circles I'm a part of. But when I was terrified of speaking and just absolutely atrocious and trying to learn the game, there were two of his books that were really influential for me. And in fact, his book called how to, how to Inspire Any Audience, I used to, before every speech, I used to turn to his little blueprint. And I, I, I've since lost that book, but um, I used to turn to his little blueprint, review it, and then go do my, my speech. And so we're talking, you know, probably uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe, maybe longer. Um, and, uh, and so, like, he's, you know, I, I really love his stuff. I haven't seen any of his you know, stuff as of late, but uh, he was very helpful in, in my career along, you know, way back then. Um, yeah, so two really big things. Um, you know, what is it that you want and, and what's holding you back? So, you know, what's, well, first, you know, what is, what is it you want, right? And so I have two mantras 
And, and these empower me, and they help me to make decisions in my career. So my two mantras are help the person you used to be, which is someone I'm very familiar with, right? It's the person mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that shares some of the traits of things that I've, I've overcome. So I, like every single person listening to this, have a lot of those people. We've all been different people. I was the abused kid. I grew up in a very abusive home. I have been uh, broke twice in my life. I was, at one point, many years ago, was addicted to drugs. I have been severely depressed in the past. Um, I've also been a workaholic where I wasn't present with friends or family or kids. And so I can help all of those because I help me get out of those things. And so mantra number one is help the person you used to be. A lot of times people are looking for what's my target market, what's my avatar. Well, in the absence of having this really thought out, awesome target market, help the person you used to be. Maybe you're the person that just lacked energy. Maybe you're the person that was the overstressed, you know, mom. Maybe you're the person that was, you know, just not around empowering individuals and you feel so empowered just being part of this community. Help the person you used to be. And the second uh, mantra is we have to be as brave as the people who need us. That means confronting your fears. You see, a lot of people have the wrong definition or understanding of the word imposter. So some people, they won't do videos because they feel like they're an imposter because they're not successful in their business yet. That's not an imposter. An imposter is someone who says that they really want to help other people and they really want to make a difference, but they're unwilling to face their fears. That's an imposter. And that may sting, that may hurt, but it should because your life is going to improve once you start facing some of these fears. Now, a lot of people over the years have come to me to learn how to be more consistent because I'm, you know, I'm a little bit of a freak of nature with that. And <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't really like it. I, I don't even like brag about it anymore because I realize what it actually has been most of my life, which it's actually been a coping mechanism for low self-worth. I would work, 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 because I didn't want to spend time with myself. And so, you know, for all these years, now that I have an awareness of what it actually is, I don't, I don't really, you know, brag about it. But some of the reasons that, that people come to me about the topic of consistency is, you know, when I first got serious about network marketing, um, July 15th of 2009, I decided that I was going to do a video a day. And I did a video a day until mid-July 2021 over 12 years <laughs> without wow. missing a day because I'm, cra- I'm a crazy person, right? I'm, I'm nuts. And the only reason I actually stopped that week was I was in a Joe Dispenza retreat in Denver, Colorado, and I thought, eh, I'm just not going to do it this week. And it was, it was a great feeling. <laughs> and, but <laughs> here's the thing about consistency. There are two main categories of, of, of people regarding consistency. The two main categories are, one, the hustle grinders. And these are people that are consistent. They don't understand what the big fuss is about. I do my work each and every day, and what's wrong with everybody else? Those typically are like, like I was, right? We're workaholics, um, and it actually has a lot to do with self-worth. 
and not and you're trying to fill a hole uh, with with rewards, recognition, accolades, kudos, and that's not how self worth works. That's like trying to eat a bowl of cereal with a crayon, right? Both are useful, but neither work together. So rewards, recognition, kudos. So I remember my first you know million dollar year, my first million dollar month, my first million dollar weekend. And I thought that would make me feel better about myself. It didn't do anything because they're not congruent. Now, it was great, right? Yeah, yay. But I didn't feel joy. I didn't feel fulfillment. I didn't feel any better. And so there's, there's that side, which is about 5% of any organization, 3 to 5% of any organization. What about the rest of them, right? What about everybody else that's not consistent? This you may want to write down because it will help guide you to a new life. The people who aren't consistent that would like to be. Now, are there lazy people? Of course, there's lazy people. But there's no one lazy listening to this call or else you wouldn't listen to this call. You know, you'd be doing something else. You'd be, you know, playing ping pong or you'd be, you know, watching, you know, Breaking Bad or something, whatever. Um, but, you know, you're, if you're on here and you struggle with consistency, it's, a, it's 100% true. I've coached hundreds and hundreds of people through this. The reason that someone isn't consistent in the network marketing or direct sales space is because they've drawn the wrong conclusion to success based on an observation they made as a kid. So if you saw, and I've coached every scenario of this, if you saw your parents make a bunch of money then lose it, you very, very likely set a thermostat on money. And because you're so afraid of losing it like your parents did, you just won't make a lot of it. It's kind of like if, you never, if you're afraid of falling off the mountain, you just won't ever climb it. Same thing. If you had parents who were really successful but ignored you, well, if you had kids, it's very likely that you drew success equals ignoring my kids, and I don't want my kids to ever feel that way. So you'll sabotage yourself by overthinking, procrastination, perfectionism, distraction, shiny object syndrome. You'll do everything in the world but the work that would get you past the level that puts you into a danger zone. And the program that was created as a kid, it's not evil. It's not, you know, it's not trying to harm you. It's actually trying to prevent you from feeling the feelings you had as a kid. And so consistency is a big deal. It's not enough to just read a book on habits. <laughs> and, and it took me many years to understand this because, you know, I would, people would say, hey, man, what's your routine? And I'd tell them, and they wouldn't do it. They'd say, hey, what's your routine? I'd tell them they wouldn't do it. What's your routine? I'd tell them they wouldn't do it. I'm like, well, what the hell? I've got to get better as a teacher here because no one's doing it. And, and so then I came up with, okay, well, maybe it's because I have a vision for who I want to become. And so then I started teaching visioning. And then, you know, we had maybe 5%, maybe 8% of people started doing it. It's like, all right. But there's still 90% of people that just wouldn't do it. And that's why I really uncovered the, the actual secret is that it has nothing to do with current day motivation. It has to do with a program that's in your subconscious, that's in your heart, that is preventing you from feeling emotions you felt as a kid. And it's heavy because you don't know it. No one I've ever coached said, I think my problem is because I saw my parents ignore me as a kid. Never had that happen. But I've coached people to get there and understand it. And so knowing what you want is, is extremely important, or else why would you do the work? But once you have what you want, then if you're not doing the work, you know, there's, there's some different kind of work to be done. 
and that can be, you know, medication can help. You know, Joe Dispenza is my, you know, my personal favorite. Um, you know, there's different types of, of um, you know, coaching that you can get through that, but it's something that you have to realize it's not that you're lazy. It's not that you lack motivation. You've just drawn the wrong conclusion to success. So, Ray, this is Ian. I got a lot of questions, and now I've added more and more on top of them as you've been talking. So <laughs> sure. just to give everyone a chance, if you do want to talk to Ray Higdon, just hit one on your phone and so we can get you in the queue. But let's talk about this for a second because you brought up a couple of different things there. And one is workaholics. That has been what I've been called over and over again. I tend to be working. But do you find if you go in that role that sometimes we work so much that the the product that we're doing gets kind of watered down because we keep on doing instead of taking breaks and focusing on other parts of your life and then that make it a little bit stronger when you're just working? Because I call myself 7-Eleven. I'm always open 24 hours. Anyone who calls me, I'm going to answer <laughs> And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So do you see that, too, that you get kind of a watered-down work approach because you're just working all the time and you get a little bit of a burnout syndrome? It's, it's really it's, – it's all about what are you hoping to gain from the work. So I, you know, with my two mantras, help the person I used to be, be as brave as the people who need me, like that empowers me. So my work makes me feel good. And um, – that, that's a, a clear, like, the more work I do, the more people I impact. But I also now have the ability to be present with my kids. I didn't have the, that ability for the first 42 years of my life. Or I guess I haven't had kids for 42 years, but the last, you know, 24 years. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's not, it's now, I know what I want to get out of work. My last, you know, prior to you know, 2021, just not that long ago, I was trying to get something out of work that I never would have gotten, which is self-worth. You're not going to gain self-worth from work, in my opinion. You're not going to boost your, your, your self-worth. That's a different kind of work. And so understanding what it is. So, you know, the person that, um, you know, was abandoned as a kid, this is a very common scenario in, 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 this, in this industry, the person that was abandoned often will literally break their neck to be there for their teammates and do everything under the sink. They'll, they'll log in for them. They'll check their shipping. They'll, they'll come wash their car. They'll, they'll you know, pick up their kids and laundry. They'll do everything on the planet for them, and, but they don't know why they're doing it. They think they're doing it because they're super nice. They're doing it because a program was created when they were abandoned that they never want anybody regardless of level of, of, you know, closeness or anything, they never want anyone to feel that level of abandonment that they felt. And so it's, it's really about becoming aware. It's about becoming aware of what is it you're really trying to gain here? And, um, you know, when you can, because you can build a business that impacts people and, and does a lot of great things, no question. But if you were looking for it to boost something else in your life, you'll still see it as, you know, not, not a great thing. You'll still see it as, as incongruent. Ray, so I used to coach tennis and I used to work with a lot of professional players and in college athletes and exceedingly coaching here that you get some people that just don't seem to understand, like case example, John McEnroe used to be the Davis cup captain. Didn't quite understand why the players didn't play up to a certain level because 
he had that athletic ability or Magic Johnson maybe wasn't the best coach for the Lakers because he was in but it's always the ones that were on the bench that just really struggled and worked hardest to can get the other players to work. So some of us are workaholics or some of us leaders, managers sure. are constantly doing it and we're succeeding, but we don't understand why 90% of our team just yeah. are not active and they're not working. So yeah. how can we help them on yeah. it? Yeah, that's a big one. So, you know, that is, you know, something that I talk a lot about, which is culture. And I've found that most leaders at least don't understand what I mean by culture. So I've had leaders come to me and say, you know, hey, I have amazing culture, great culture, but my retention stinks. And that's like saying I have an incredible immune system, but I'm always sick. It doesn't make sense. One, one affects the other. One dictates the other. And so culture, this might be another write-down, but culture is the allowing of people to feel good regardless of their level of desire or level of result. Culture is the allowing of people to feel good regardless of their level of desire or level of result. So most leaders, they operate like a sales manager, like there's a quota. Like they have, you know, um, years ago, I coached an insurance company out of, out of Naples, and they came to me with their, uh, with their calling scripts, and I tweaked them, and they added $40,000 a week in sales. They had this little office. They were like, I don't know, let's say for math's sake, let's say 10. There were 10 of them. And let's say for that office, they paid, I don't know, $5,000 a month for janitorial, for Arizona emissions, for insurance, et cetera, and so forth. So if you have a, a little office, 10 people, 5000 a month, you need, you need each person to at least do 500 bucks, right? Or else you can't even keep the darn thing open. Well, that's how a lot of people treat network marketing. But it's, it's very different than that, okay? So imagine that you're the... Uh, you know, niece or nephew of, of Jeff Bezos. And Jeff is, you know, the you know, founder of Amazon. He's uh, headed out of California, and for tax reasons, he can't sell his warehouse. And so he says to you, hey, we got a call center warehouse. It's got a 1,000 desks in it. You know what, niece or nephew, you're my favorite. Just use it, because I can't sell it for a couple of years. Just use it, and I'll pay the electricity. I'll pay the, the Internet. I'll pay all the stuff. You can just load it up with whoever you want, and they can sell whatever they want, Okay. So if that was the scenario, there's no overhead, you've got 1,000 desks, how hardcore are you going to smack the clipboard if someone's not making sales? Probably not very hard. Okay, let's, let's make it a little different. Let's say that you're a very entre, entrepreneurial type niece or nephew. You decide to charge a desk fee. So you charge a desk fee. Now how hard are you smacking that clipboard saying, hey, when are you going to make some sales? Probably really not at all. But you know what? Your situation is actually better because you could have 100,000 people in your team that you're getting some form of compensation from either when they start or ongoing, and they're not costing you anything. So you should think not like the sales manager. You should think like the gym owner. So if I go into the gym and I got my headband on, my Beats by Dre, and I got my neon green tight shorts and I go on the treadmill for four minutes and then I go get a 2200 peanut butter banana chocolate shake 
and I walk out the door literally gaining three pounds every time I visit the gym, what does the gym owner say? Does the gym owner say, hey, I didn't see you do any deadlifts? No. The gym owner says, way to kill it, buddy. Why? Because he likes my membership. Now, what if I went to that gym owner and said, hey, man, I want to get diesel. I want to get ripped. I want to get jacked. He'd say, okay, well, we got, he would point, guide, and direct me to the tools that would help me. That's the better role of network marketing, is not to breathe down the neck of, not to strangle them out, not to, because as a, what I would call a five percenter, someone who has 5% of any organization has goals of $25,000 or more a month, whether the leader walks on water, whether the, whether the product is incredible, not incredible, whatever, doesn't matter. 5% of, the, of any organization has a desire level of $25,000 or more a month. Now, that's desire level, not result level. Desire level, okay? But what happens with these 5%ers, especially as they start to achieve, is they think it's their job to impress their goals on every, you know, you know Tom, Dick, and Harry in, in, in their company. Now, network marketing is, is pretty unique in that. When I worked for Collier County Government, there was a, uh, a, a secretary there named Judy. She had been a secretary for 24 years, same position. No one came to Judy and said, hey, when are you going to step it up, Judy? When are you going to get to mid-manager, huh? When are you going to have some goals and really, you know, get out there and get it done? No. Everyone realized that was her level of desire. She had accomplished it, and everyone lived peacefully with it. But in network marketing, people can't do that. They, they think they, they, they have this guilt complex of people are in their team but not making money. And so the key is the allowing, right? And the best thing you can do for your team is build a new one. And that doesn't mean ignore the existing. It doesn't mean that they're less than. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means to show people what it means to build a business and do the things you wish that they were doing. That's, you know, that's good culture. So it's not – you know, me calling and saying, hey, how you doing? How's it going out there? Right? That's only seen as a call of disappointment. And direct sales and network marketing is the most volunteer relationship that anyone ever has in their life. It's, it's not easy to go through a divorce. It's not easy to get rid of the kids. It's not easy to quit the job. It's real easy to leave a network marketing or direct sales team. And so you want to allow them. And this is more about not intensity and leadership, but it's about keeping people around the, 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 you know, the fire so they might catch a spark. And so it's, it's just a very different way of, of stress-free leadership inside of this industry. No, absolutely. So everyone has different needs or wants. And I'm going to use mm-hmm. this back in the tennis terms. When I worked with these TA, I'd go around to these schools programs and help the teachers. Some needed help with a specific kid that needed some help. Some might need help in regards to organizing the class and what's going on. Some might need materials like rackets and balls or whatever it might be, or some might need help in the instruction. So you have to know your people and your team and each one where their needs and what their wants are and then where to kind of apply it instead of trying to put a big brush on everybody and do it that way. Would you agree? Yeah. And the, key, and the key is once, right? So if someone's terrible at their, at their backhand, but they don't want to improve it, how do you do it? You can't. <laughs> Can you? you tell right? them, if someone doesn't you want tell to them improve play their golf backhand, what you, tell you can't them. help them. What's that? I said, I said you tell them to play golf then. That's what you do. There you go. <laughs> 
So, right. But absolutely, the, under, the, understanding the desire level. Yeah. The definition that you gave of um, culture and culturing and allowing people to feel good regardless of what level of result that they're at. Um, I know that is talked about a lot in your book, and I don't want to mess up the title, but it was it was the book, um, <laughs> the leadership book that I had asked you for, and I know it's freakishly effective. <laughs> Give us the title of that. Yeah, and, and it's it's on Amazon. It's you know it's very easy to find, but it's um, if you search Ray Higdon leadership on Amazon, you'll definitely find it. But it's called Freakishly Effective Leadership for Network Marketers. Perfect. And one of the things that you talk about there in there in that book, but also you and I have had a little bit of a conversation about this too, is the the ninety percent that aren't really doing anything in in your downline. Um, you talk about, you know, having them do a little. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, I talk a lot about that when it comes to, like, contests. So most contests are first, second, third. And 90% of your organization, the minute they see first, second, third, they say, why bother? I can't be first, second, or third. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat Ian. I'm not gonna meet, beat that person. I'm not gonna beat them. Why bother? And so instead, you want to do things that more people believe they can win at. And so if if I was gonna run uh, when we and we tested every type of contest. And the neat thing about us is, you know, I mean we've coached. I don't know. Uh, I mean, over the last, um, how long has it been now? Nine years. Nine years we've been coaching different leaders. We've probably coached, I don't know, 500, you know, six- and seven-figure earners. And so we've been able to test this in very different industries of, you know, uh, $5,000 water filter things to, you know, $20 uh, diet things, right? And the most successful kind of contest that we've ever devised is comprised of, of two segments, okay? So, and this, and this is what would get a lot of people doing a little, right? And so, one, again, if you go to your, if you go to your team and say first, second, third, 90% won't even, even if they were going to work, they'll now say, why bother? Right? Like if they were like, hey, this week I'm going to go after it, and then they see the contest, they're like, ah, phooey, I can't, I can't win it, so why bother? And so instead, you go to your team and you say, hey, listen, uh, next week, we're going to do a contest, and there will be prizes. It will be awesome. It will be a lot of fun. If you want to participate in the contest, all you got to do is get one new customer. That's all you got to do. And what will happen is you'll have people come out of the woodworks. You'll have people that you would have swore, I thought they quit. I thought they quit a long time ago. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're getting a sale. And, and so – you do that, then once they're in that pre once they're out of the pre-contest, everyone that qualifies, then do a first, second, and third, but don't stop there. First, second, third, but then also have, if you get one new customer, you'll also earn this and have that thing be a scalable, either low or no cost thing, like a, a training with me or a training with your favorite you know, coach or trainer or whatever, or an interview with a CEO or CMO or CTO or whatever. And so you want to always be thinking about that person that does not believe they can place in the top three. Got it. Awesome. And 
so also, uh, I know one of the things that we wanted to touch a little bit on and, you know, a lot of what we're talking about today, I, I had shared with you some of our, our HLAs um, that we're working on as a company is building more mm-hmm. seniors and also team building, bringing in team builders. And so sure. with, with that perspective in line, can you talk about pipeline and perspective? Yeah. So there's, there's two main factors. There, there's, there's four total, but today we'll talk about two. Two main factors that, that impact your success in anything performance-based, and that's pipeline and perspective. Now, a lot of times people come into this, you know, this kind of industry and they, they haven't been in a sales thing, which, you know, they haven't ever had a sales career or had a performance-based pay scenario. And to be honest, I prefer coaching those types because the person who is extremely skilled in sales isn't usually very duplicatable because they tend to think they're better than the systems. And although that may even be true, they're not as duplicatable. And so if, if duplication relies on charisma, uh, skill set, background, then that's not duplication to me. So, you know, I like uh, how Michael Gerber said it uh, in the e-myth. He said, the reason that McDonald's franchises rarely fail is they were designed to be ran by the person with the lowest level of skill. Now, that shouldn't be seen as an insult. It should be as a, a dictate to have simple systems. And so the two, the two Ps, pipeline, what's pipeline? Well, if you've ever been in any kind of, you know, performance-based career, you may have heard that term. So if you're a realtor, your pipeline is, uh, you know, how, how, many, how many people did you talk to about listing their home? How many ads did you place about selling homes? How many people did you meet with? How many follow-ups do you have scheduled? How many open houses? How many showings? Right? That, that's, that's your pipeline, and you got it associated by, by person, right? Um, in direct sales and network marketing, it's, how many people you reach out to? How many people did you follow up with? How many people? Gamer system, if that's you know, if you guys you know do that, but whatever whatever that those numbers are, and you tracking those numbers, and so you have to pay attention to the pipeline. The more the bigger the pipeline, the the bigger the results, and and so it's it's you know you can be the most skilled person in the entire organization by just talking to more people. I mean, I, I had um, a lot of really, really solid recruiters in, in my team over the years, and, you know, some of them, they might close 30% of the people they talk to, which is a, a really, really good percentage. But you know what? Sometimes they'd be out-recruited by someone who only got 10% because they just talked to more people. That's pipeline. Perspective is a different animal. Perspective is where do you spend the majority of your time in your mind? This is where you can go from mule to magician. <laughs> and you know, my favorite example, because I, I've learned, you know, I, 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 won't, I don't use like money examples. I use something that I think everyone can relate with, and that is ballroom dancing. <laughs> so uh, a little bit over a year ago, I bought ballroom dancing lessons for my wife and I. You know, our 10-year anniversary was last year. And... Um, and so, you know, I just wanted more time with her. I wanted something that was, you know, we have two small kids, so it's, 
you know, we don't get a lot of personal time you know, as much as we used to. And I just thought it'd be nice. And so, you know, we start going and I'm, 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 when I start, I'm, I'm just bad. You know, they're like, Ray, do you, do you hear? Oh, I, all right. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. All right. My, I, I realized my Bluetooth just died. Okay. Um, and so um, did it just die or did it, was it weird for a while? No, it, it was just a little, you could tell when it shut off, but we could still hear you. So you're good. Okay. Okay. So we start these ballroom dancing lessons and, you know, the instructors are like, Ray, um, can you, can you hear the beat? Can you hear, you know, rhythm? And, uh, you know, Ray, Ray, do your hips move? Were you in an accident? I mean, I, I'm, I'm terrible. And here's how I know I was terrible, okay? So four months in, I'm going twice a week, twice a week to try to get better. And sometimes I'd go without Jess just to try to work on me. Four months in, twice a week lessons, and there was a guy that had a lesson after me, and he, he got in early. He was lacing up his shoes. He rushes over to me, and he says, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I came in early. You just made me feel so much better. <laughs> thanks. Th- thanks for that. Didn't, didn't need to say that. But I went home that night, and I'm like, you know what? I know all this stuff about mindset, and I'm not applying any of it. This ends today. So that night, I started before bed every single night, I started seeing myself as a better dancer. I started seeing myself gliding across the, you know, the floor. I started seeing myself remember the moves. I started seeing myself, you know, be a better dancer. And so uh, I, there were two questions, and these are the two key questions if you want to speed up results in your life. Number one, how would it feel? Number two, how would I know it's true? And so how would it feel? It'd feel awesome. I'd feel confident. I'd feel like I'm you know, doing a great job for my lady and for myself. And, uh, and then how would I know it's true? Well, people would compliment me. And so I go back to the dance studio a couple days later, and, uh, and uh, I just start improving. And two days later, one of the instructors says, uh, wow, impressive, which is something I'd actually seen in my mind verbatim. The other <laughs> dance studio owner says, very much improved which I had also seen into my mind four days earlier. I didn't increase my number of lessons. I only increased how I thought about the lessons. A couple months ago, Jess and I placed first place in our division for two different dance styles. It wasn't, Naya, the mule, I could have been doing two lessons a week for 10 years, and I bet I wouldn't have proceeded as fast as changing my perspective. And so pipeline and perspective, where do you spend the majority of your time in your mind? Are you noticing all the things you don't want? Are you noticing all the the pain? Are you noticing what you don't have? Are you noticing how far away your goals are? Or can you switch that to like Joe Dispenza says, live in memories of your future rather than memories of your past? Can you start to see the thing that you want as if you already have it, you already own it? How does that feel? How would you know it's true? So that's pipeline, that's perspective. Awesome. Such good stuff. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, um, aside from that you're just brilliant, uh, but I had, mentioned to, I had mentioned to the field that I signed up for one of your um, online challenges, um, the Reels yeah. Challenge, and um, just to 
to understand it better and to get better at it, to understand, you know, how to do it and all that kind of stuff. So when there's something going on in your business, and I will just tell everybody when he, when he offers that challenge again, like sign up and take it because people were getting crazy results. And, and these were right. mostly network marketers and direct salespeople. And, you know, it was a, it was a, Seven day, seven day challenge, and um, it was great. But Ray, what yeah. what else are you, what else do you have going on that um, obviously people can go to Amazon and check out all of your books um, and all of your yeah. coaching? What else do you think? Um, talking about high leveraging activities and this perspective, what do you have going on that people could connect with you, and where can they connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, there is no higher leverage activity in marketing than reels right now. There's, there's just nothing like it. You know, we, we have a student that has a video and she didn't pay one dime in advertising that has 15 million views. Just to put that into perspective, the last Olympics was watched by fewer than 15 million people. <laughs> and, and so um, we just, you know, actually speaking of the challenge, we took some of the highlights of the challenge and we're doing a brand new training tomorrow night, actually. And that's 9, 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's how to get leads and sales through Facebook Reels. Um, and if you'd like to learn more, there, we have a bunch of bonuses and it's you know, going to be live, but you, can all, you don't have to be on live. You also get lifetime access to the recording. But if you'd like to check that out, it's uh, higdengroup.com forward slash F. B as in Facebook Reels, so Higdon is I uh, H H I G is in golf, B is in David, O N Group dot com forward slash F F is in Frank, B is in boy Reels, and that's going to be awesome. We're going to dive into what's working, and and our audience is network marketing, direct sales. I mean, we sometimes we'll have realtors get in there and insurance people and car sales guys, but I mean, it's we're ninety nine percent. Um, network marketers and direct sales. And last time I checked, we were 87% women. <laughs> and so you know, our audience is very tuned into this industry. Yeah, and I expect that's probably close to the number of female Beamer distributors. No offense to any of the guys out there. But, yeah, um, of course. Well, Ray, no, I, know, I know you could talk <laughs> about this stuff. Yeah, I know you could talk about this stuff all day. And I could listen to you all day, but our show is Aww. over. I want to thank you so much. Um, also, too, if anybody wants to reach out to me um, personally, I can um, help you get in contact with Ray as well. And, um, Ray, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday with our final uh, Wednesday of the month, uh, and we are actually having Tony Jerry on next Wednesday. So um, you guys go out and make it a great day. Um, Check out, uh, definitely make a personal mantra for yourself um, like Ray does, and um, check out what he's got going on. Talk to you guys soon. Today's show was brought to you by an independent group of Beamer distributors who are committed to helping you find success in your business. 
we're all part of a bigger mission to bring this amazing technology to a market that so desperately needs it. We'll be back again really soon. Until then, here's to your health.